It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, Election College listeners, thank you so much for your support of our first audiobook, The Dueling Letters. That crazy exchange that happened between Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton before their fateful duel. Yeah, we're so appreciative that we are going to give away 10 copies of the audiobook. And you can try for your shot by doing one of two things. You can either leave us a review on iTunes or let us know that you've already left a review. Either way, if you could just do a screenshot or take a picture or copy and paste and you know, um, let us know that you have left us a review on iTunes, uh, on this podcast, we would be happy to send you a link to a free copy of The Dueling Letters. And hey, we hope you like it and that you leave a review for us on The Dueling Letters um, to tell us how we did. Yeah, so send us an email with your screenshot of the review at contact at electioncollege.com. We're going to give away, like I said, 10 copies. And the deadline for this is noon on September 11th. Yeah, and that's Eastern time. And we will hold you to that. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. On to the show. Election College, episode 121. James Madison, part two. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, the whole last episode, which by the way, if you didn't listen to the last episode, go listen to it before you listen to this one. That just makes sense. But the whole last episode, we talked about the early life and all the doings of James Madison. And man, this guy was busy and he like wrote a lot and kind of is the reason we have a Bill of Rights. Yeah. I mean, he didn't get married until he was 43 years old and you can kind of see why he was doing all kinds of stuff. He wasn't the fierce military warrior. He was the guy who could really strike with the pen. And probably the biggest thing I have taken from his time prior to the presidency, outside of being the father of the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and all that, is the fact that he outdid Patrick Henry, which was very difficult to do. Absolutely. Yeah. So Jefferson, TJ, whatever you want to call him, his second term is winding down. And of course, he's not going to out Washington, Washington. So he's going to be done (laughs) after two terms. And uh, everybody knows it. And they're like, hey, Madison, you know, we're going to like, you're going to be the next president. Like, we're going to vote for you, right? And Madison's like, I guess that's fine. Um, I guess we'll just have to get through this guy, John Randolph, before that can happen. And of course, it's not a problem at all. So... 
Republican Party chooses Madison, they choose him over James Monroe, and the Federalist Party is just done. And they, they pick Charles Pinckney, which, you know, he just loses in a blaze of glory, I guess you could say. Yeah. We do have to mention the Hartford Convention at some point in this podcast. That's true. So Madison, he's inaugurated in 1809, and he's just going to tear it up, right? But, well, he nominates Albert Gallatin to be the Secretary of State. And the Senate, which was really led by Senator William B. Giles, says, "Uh uh-uh, no. No, thank you. You can't do that. So Madison, kind of with his tail between his legs a little bit, says, okay, I'll just make him the Secretary of the Treasury. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be advised by him and he's going to help me out. So he appoints Robert Smith to be the Secretary of State. And uh, for those of you who don't know who Robert Smith was, he was Jefferson's Secretary of the Navy. And then um, really outside of that, there's really nothing too extraordinary about Madison's cabinet. You know, the previous couple of administrations or several administrations had all of these guys who really a majority of them had either become president or vice president or had at least been high in contention to become the chief executive. Madison's cabinet, not so much. Yeah. And it's a kind of okay for Madison though, because he comes into, I mean, he's like waltzing in there under a pretty good situation. The government has a surplus of like nine and a half million dollars, which I don't need to tell you is a lot of money, especially in 1809. And, you know, you don't have to be great when money is also not an issue as much. So, I mean, that dwindles a little bit, of course, and we get into a war here soon that we'll talk about in brief. But for the most part, they walk in and things are already going pretty smoothly. Yeah, one of the biggies that happens in the Madison administration is the Bank of the United States, that first bank of the United States that was established by our friend Alexander Hamilton. You remember him, the Wizard of Oz himself. Well, it was set to expire. The charter for that was set to expire in 1811. And any good Democratic Republican, we'll just say Republican for short, any good Republican is going to want to have nothing to do with a national bank. So guess what happens in 1811? Congress says, meh. Madison says, meh. Everybody says, good riddance, Bank of the United States. Yeah, well, for like a minute until there's the whole idea of war looming and well, actually going on. We'll get to that here in a minute. But speaking of war, <laughs> there's the, uh, the fact that Napoleon is like tearing stuff up all across the world. And it leads to some bad relationships, I guess you could say. And most of Europe is mostly at peace, but there's all these embargoes out there. And there's the fact that Napoleon is a crazy man that can't be stopped. And uh, a brilliant crazy man, by the way, but still a crazy man. And Madison's like, okay, uh, Congress, remember how we like got rid of that whole bank thing? Um, it might be a good idea to put it back in place. 
and maybe maybe just maybe bulk up the army and the navy and the militias and like ammunition and cannonballs and ships and basically anything we can do to protect ourselves because i'm pretty sure britain's going to be gunning for us yeah because britain's got this thing going on where france well anytime france goes to war with anyone britain's got to be involved right and they're usually not on the same side. So what ends up happening is Britain's like, whoa, 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 France. Hang on a second. We're just going to show our naval strength. And we're going to put all kinds of pressure on everyone everywhere. And what does that mean? Well, hey, America, you are going to be prevented from trading with France. And the U.S. is like, hey, we're neutral over here back up off of our collective grills here <laughs> and leave us alone. And Britain's like, nope, we're pretty strong. And guess what, America? We're going to step onto your ships. We are going to impress your troops. If you don't know what impress your, I should say sailors, we're going to impress them. That means we're going to kidnap your sailors and put them Basically, on our yeah. ships and make them fight for us. Well, what does that sound like? That sounds like a violation of American sovereignty. Yeah, and by the way, while we're at it, uh, this is Britain talking, by the way, in case you didn't notice. Uh, we're going to, the Indian tribes out there, of course, you know, we would call them Native Americans, but they would have called them Indians. Uh, we're going to give them weapons. And since they already don't like you, we're going to encourage them to attack you because we know we gave up some territory to you back in the 80s and 90s, but we didn't mean it, and we're really still kind of irritated about it. So all sorts of people start declaring that we need to have a second war of independence, and, you know, the public is angry. We're just mad because people are getting stolen off of ships. People are getting their their faces beaten by <laughs> the Native Americans, and they elect Henry Clay and John C. Calhoun, which we've talked about both of them. We won't get too far into it, but Madison's like, all right, let's go to war. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. So in comes all of these new people who really entered the stage of American politics that – well, we're going to be talking about for decades to come with Clay and Calhoun. You got Andy Jack coming on the scene. If you have not listened to our earlier episodes, Andy Jack is Andrew Jackson. He's the general who totally cleans house in the Battle of New Orleans. And, well, we have an episode about the War of 1812. And I guess what you could say is Canada kind of kicked our butts <laughs> up north and uh, it didn't go really well for America, but the Battle of New Orleans, yeah, we got that one. Andy Jack comes on the scene and becomes a superstar. And this is where we have to mention the Hartford Convention, because it does exemplify the failure of the Federalist Party. So what ends up happening, and we have an episode on this, is you got these New England federalists and they have a convention and they say we're going to do all of these crazy things hey we might even secede but we do not support the united states involvement in war with great britain well the cool thing about all of this is is 
we won the Battle of New Orleans. Public sentiment is all about being patriotic, winning all kinds of points on the international stage with being a sovereign nation, which up to this point kind of was like, ah, eh, that's, uh, you know, the child of Great Britain, the United States is. Yeah, they're, they're still related. Well, after the War of 1812, because of the Battle of New Orleans, America is like, hey, America, and not Great Britain or the colonies. So the Federalist Party is dead after this. They have a few people left over, but basically, federalism kind of goes by the wayside. Hey, Jason, this is a little bit off topic, but not really. Wasn't this kind of like the First World War? I mean, the the largest powers involved were um, were there. I mean, the everybody was kind of hanging out together. Wasn't this kind of the First World War? It sure sounds like it, doesn't it? Because everybody hates everybody, and that might be the thing is... Well, at least with the World Wars, you had allies. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think America was too keen on being buddy-buddy with Napoleon, other than the fact that Napoleon was like, hey, here's Louisiana for a dollar. Right. (laughs) He didn't sell Louisiana for a dollar, but it might as well have been. It wasn't much more than that. Anyway, the, the war progresses, and... You know, the capital gets burned. The Battle of New Orleans happens. There's the Treaty of Ghent. And like Jason said, everybody's happy that we won, or at least didn't lose, I guess you could say. Um, Napoleon gets defeated. So, you know, Napoleonic Wars are done. And War of 1812, it's done. And everybody's like, hey, I feel pretty good. And the era of good feelings comes about. And Madison's reputation goes up his his what's the uh satisfaction survey yeah. or uh approval rating goes rating. up through the roof yeah. yeah and people are like all right nice yeah so for those of you who haven't listened to some of our earlier episodes you're probably like you guys totally skimmed over the war of 1812 the era of good feelings and a bunch of other things uh go back and listen to those episodes we acknowledged that, yeah, Canada kind of rocked up north, and it didn't all go well. Yeah, this episode's about James Madison, so get off our backs, all right? Yeah. So, totally different situation that the United States finds itself in from the beginning of the Madison administration. It's amazing what can happen in eight years. You have a neutral United States going off to war, and kind of winning, kind of losing. You've got a national bank whose charter was set to expire. They go back and forth because everybody in Congress is kind of against it. But then, well, you got to pay for war, right? So somehow things ended up pretty good for Madison after all of this. War finds a way or something like that. Whoa. That's tweetable, (laughs) man. I know. Uh, There's a lot of other stuff about, um, like Jason was saying, about Madison and the surroundings around him. One of those things is James Wilkinson, which we're going to talk about in the future. Uh, He was kind of involved with uh, James Madison in in a sense. Uh, He was also involved with Aaron Burr. Uh, So, you know, (sighs) there's that. 
I just had to say that for Jason's benefit, but uh, we'll talk about him in the future. We're going to have an episode coming up on James Wilkinson, who if you hate a lot of the shysters that we've talked about in the past, or, you know, if, um, if Daniel Sickles really made you laugh, you're going to love James Wilkinson. It's just a no brainer. Yeah. If when we talk about Aaron Burr, you just feel like taking something and just ripping it to shreds. I'm thinking of like a stress ball, not using it to like really stress, but just to like (laughs) gnaw on it and like rip it to shreds because Aaron Burr is so obnoxious. Well, James Wilkinson is that intensified. I mean, he didn't kill Hamilton. So maybe Burr gets him on that. But Wilkinson is just around. He's like, I don't know. He's like the in-law who... Everybody is just like, okay, okay, we're going to support you this time. And uh, yeah, well, that's a sign of things to come. At least you can hear Jason be frustrated and and wordless uh, as you have anytime you mention Aaron Burr as well. (laughs) But we wanted to talk about the end of Madison's career. He did leave office in 1817, and he goes back home to Mount Pillar, which is actually, uh, if you know where Monticello is, um, it's, uh, it's pretty close to that. So TJ and Madison lived pretty close to each other. And, you know, Dolly actually thinks, man, we might actually have a chance to go to Paris. I mean, Wars have died down, and you're no longer in office, but they're poor. And Madison leaves the office poorer than he went in because the plantation has, you know, had some had some hardships over the years. It's also been mismanaged. The price of tobacco is down. There, it's just not as as profitable as it had been at one point. And like I said, his um his stepson. Dolly's son, uh, he really is kind of an idiot. He's bad with money. He's bad with business. He's bad at managing things. They bail him out a couple times, but he just never learns. Yeah. And go over, and I know we've redirected you all to a lot of different episodes, but uh, this era is pretty interesting. And Dolly Madison, I mean, what a lady. (laughs) You think about it, she had to overcome some of James's financial issues. And then her son totally wrecked things, but she managed to eke out a living. And um, yeah, kind of interesting with these uh, women in the early U.S. history. Uh, they kind of put up with men who weren't very responsible and yeah. in spite of not being able to vote and not being treated with a lot of the benefits that women have today, pretty strong. There's a there's a lot that can be said for for the founding fathers' wives. For sure. A little more about Madison's quirkiness or irresponsibility, I guess you could say. Um, he actually starts thinking about how the fact that Man, I was involved in something big. Like, I was the president. I'm an important figure. And I know that in the future, that's going to be really valuable to my family. And I'm bad with money now, so maybe they'll be better with it after I'm dead. And he's like, yeah, I'll just let all my stuff get sold off. 
But then he starts thinking about how he's going to look in the future. And he actually goes in and starts modifying some of his different letters and documents. And, you know, he changes around the order of things. He makes it appear that things happened before they really did, or that he wrote things after they happened and or before they happened. It says that different people accomplished different things at the time. And he's obsessed with this. And it becomes very unhealthy for him. So we've talked about several episodes that we've done in the past and a couple that we're planning on doing in the future. But one that's really interesting that is going to be coming up soon is Paul Jennings. I mean, this guy lived as a slave in the Madison household, and he has a memoir called A Colored Man's Reminiscence of James Madison. And uh, that was published in 1865. So what was going on in 1865? Well, the Civil War and African Americans were beginning to be treated a little more humanely uh, by that time. So kind of interesting. Yeah, for sure. That'll be a fun episode, I think. It'll be really interesting to to read and discuss. So Madison continues to write throughout the latter days um, in his life, and he actually sells off a lot of his slaves to make up for some of those financial missteps that we mentioned. And he lives until 1836, and everybody who is a leader on the national scene kind of just ignores him. And, you know, Madison, sorry, you're, you're old news. You're, you're in the old guard, I guess you could say. And Madison dies uh, uh, at Mount Pillar on June 28th in 1836. And he's really the last of the founding fathers that's uh, still around. Um, they buried him there at Mount Pillar in the Madison Family Cemetery. And Dolly is just kind of hanging out at Mount Pillar. Yeah. So you can learn more about of course, Dolly's later life. But uh, again, encourage you to listen to that episode. So that's the life of James Madison, the fourth president of the United States. Kind of interesting. Um, one other thing about Madison, uh, George Will, he said that if the pen is mightier than the sword, then our nation's capital would have been called Madison, D.C. instead of Washington, D.C. And uh his writings are still discussed to this day, and um, is pretty powerful with the pen. Yeah, some of his most uh, influential writings are actually in the Federalist Papers, uh, which we mentioned, of course, last episode. And I've mentioned many times in the past about how important the Federalist Papers are still today in 2016. So certainly that can't be understated any bit at all. Yep. So stay tuned for... Our next episode, which we will talk about the Bill of Rights, and uh, Madison definitely has a big role in that. Anytime you're called the father of the Bill of Rights, the father of the Constitution, well, yeah, we're going to talk about you. All right, everybody, don't forget about our audiobook, The Dueling Letters, in which we, Jason and I, read the letters back and forth between Hamilton and Burr leading up to their fateful duel. We'll let you figure out which one died, even though we've mentioned it in this very episode. Uh, <laughs> you can find that by either going to Audible and typing in our names or typing in Election College or typing in The Dueling Letters or Alexander Hamilton or whatever. Any combination of those words will get you there. If you want to go straight there, go to electioncollege.com slash dueling letters 
the link will be in the show notes and uh it's cheap it's like four bucks yeah and of course we love to interact with you on social media we are at election college on instagram twitter and facebook and for the love of all that's good and historic please head over to itunes and leave us a rating and review it helps us so much and uh don't forget about that little contest we're having that we talked about at the beginning of the episode thanks everybody we'll talk to you next time for the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase it's a culture and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe for the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.